Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Lee Vowell and Todd Vandenberg. Welcome to the show. Um, we, I think, I think the CC's part didn't start when I was recording. Todd was talking about uh, a delivery person and and pizza. Yes, because that's that's how we do. That's how we Hoboken. do on the show. And hopefully, there's not. Did you say in Hoboken? Hoboken, Hoboken CC's best delivery pizza in Hoboken. That even sounds disgusting. I haven't <laughs> had CC's pizza. In, man, I don't remember. I, I know I've had it. I just don't remember. Uh, where it is i'm pretty sure it's been like 20 years since i've had cc's well let me uh let me do air quotes when i say pizza in conjunction with cc's because yeah that's that's true remember remember that pizza you had in like oh pizza i thought you were talking about the the person you dated there for a while (laughs) pizza i was like it's a family show but uh, it is what it is anywho uh yeah so uh just to let the listeners meaning me uh, no, when I go back and listen to it, and I can't remember actually doing the podcast as we were talking pre-pro about not being able to remember things. Yeah. High switch noises, by the way, that's the garbage people outside. We'll call it the studio, but we know what it really is. So, uh, anywho, see, I've already forgotten what I was going to say. Show notes. Um, show notes. Show notes. Um, oh, oh, yes, show yes. Notes and, you know, we set the alarm so we see our show notes, even though the show's right. starting in two minutes. Yeah, even though that wasn't it, but I don't remember what it actually was. So, anyway, we are whatever what's the, name no of the show? what's the name uh, of the show nikki x happy hour i believe right is that what yeah, it is? Sure. there is actually no name to the show have you noticed that yeah, there's that, really no name yeah it's just some random podcast that would be a, rising podcast but it's like well, what was the show called that would mm. be a great no great no that would be a great no that would be a great name for <laughs> the a great show. no it's a uh, the great so, no is what i've gotten for most of my wives so let's see oh uh Anyway, yeah, so uh, we're recording this on uh, March 8th, 2023, so when you when this show gets put up, because I'm too lazy to do it today, it'll get put up on, on Saturday. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Saturday, if anything's happened between today, Wednesday, and Saturday that's, like, broken the world open, I apologize because we don't know about it, and I'm too lazy to go back in and fix it. It's not our so problem. they're like, they didn't even talk about... Uh, Pete Carroll being hired by the Los Angeles Lakers or something. I don't know. Well, the only so, way to fix it would be go back and do the show again. And we're not doing the show yeah, on Saturday because we're doing it today. Well, because you're on tour. You're on tour the rest of this week. Montreal, Quebec City. Yeah. True, good, true. Good fishing in Quebec. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Almost as good as Seattle. Oh, ho, ho. Let's watch the mouth there. <laughs> so, I, it's funny. I've clicked on something that should be notes. I didn't make any notes for this show. I don't even know what my hand's doing. It's like I've lost control of my right, my right hand's like, oh, there's notes. Nope. Nope. It's got a brain unto itself. So uh, we will get into Seahawks news first. Then we're going to do a little Oscar fun because Oscars are coming up on Sunday. So are we'll start octopus? with. Are you an octopus? Is that why you have no control of your hands? Do they have brains in every 
they don't they have, have like eight brains, brains but they, they have think. nerve bundles in their arms so it's not quite the like no, same thing same thing yeah just you know last of us they're living it every day that's sad that would be interesting <laughs> the last of us in water would be yeah, octopi. <laughs> even even more terrifying anyway i just can't look at octopi because they're it's reminds me of triangle of sadness so we'll get into the oscars and and just a bit so we'll start with geno smith geno smith is uh, not i uh, maybe he's put pen to paper if they people even put pen to paper is all electronic now anywho geno has uh, reportedly resigned for raw raw numbers raw statistics raw numbers are three years 105 million we know that's not actually how it ever breaks down in an nfl contract right it's uh, breaks down to like Sort of 25 million a year, but only 40 million of, of that is guaranteed and do its signing. But some of that money doesn't roll into the 2023 cap space. It rolls into later cap space. It looks like the only possible cap number for 2023 is 28 million. <laughs> this is weird math the NFL yeah, does. It is but weird. That's basically so. It's not thirty-five million a year, which people were complaining about, right? Right, exactly. Bitterly complaining about, and we still don't have the exact details of the contract. I mean, it hasn't. We've got tidbits from different inside sources, which is why you know it's like, okay, it looks like it's going to be twenty-eight. Because can I can I interrupt you for just a second? Sure. Brady Henderson, who I think we found on one of the shows at some point, who covers the Seahawks for mm-hmm. ESPN, um. Came on, he 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 put it out that it was thirty five million blah 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 because that's what we knew at first, right? Right. And then he was on uh, uh, Brock and Sock show on Seattle Sports, and uh, yesterday or day before, and even he said, "Yeah, I have no idea what the, what the contract is because nobody yeah. knows until they put it out." Exactly, exactly. And according to Mike Garofalo, the uh, Janine Garofalo. Yeah, the third son of Janine Garofalo. He said that it's $28 million in the first year. Uh, it looks like, and again, by the time you're listening to this, we probably will have the details. Well, I'm sorry, you'll have the details. We won't because we're talking now. But it looks like it's – because it's it breaks down as $25 million per season. So that looks like that's the cap hit plus maybe the three extra this year, if that's correct. And then $30 million in incentives, and we don't know for a fact how that breaks out, but it seems likely it's $10 million in incentives per season because there's three seasons and there's $30 million, so that would kind of make sense. Yep. Uh, like you said, $40 million guaranteed. So <clears throat> did Seattle get a hometown discount? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Compared what, to what we've seen from the Daniel Jones contract that came out yesterday, for sure. Yeah, seriously. So everyone who was up in arms over, oh, my God, they paid Gino that much when you can't afford anybody else. is like Zach a, De La Rocha. Huge. They get a huge discount to get Gino. Now, <clears throat> he does have to prove that last season was not a fluke. You know, he has to prove that as he tailed off towards the end of the season, <clears throat> that that wasn't just on him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here I am coughing and renting and all the rest of it. Is like, that uh, is that like Gino? Gino? Gino has you by the yeah. Gino, like has you're wrong. I'm gonna prove it. Yeah. I'm worth. Yeah, yeah. And and if he is worth, sorry to cut you off, just to jump on the point you're making, is the fact that if he does max out that contract, that only means good things for the Seahawks. Exactly. If he maxes out, if he earns the incentives, he was worth more. 
Oh, so, sure. Yeah. You know, so that's the thing is like if if he performs like they think he will and he earns that $105 million, he's vastly underpaid. And he, if he doesn't earn the incentives, he's still probably – and you know, unless he completely bombs, which I really don't think he will. You know, If he performs the way he did in the second half of the season, that's probably what that contract is worth without the incentives these days. Yeah, it, it's mean, fifty something about fifty two million, which is not. Yeah, it ended up being like in the first year. So, and and the cap cap space in the NFL, it's all malleable, right? As we you know, yeah. as we've talked about, as everybody's talked about, I and mean, you can do a lot of different things with it. Even if it looks like oh, well, they don't have any money, they they have money. Right. But the, I think what happens with this contract with because it is still like most contracts, kind of front loaded a little bit. Sure. They still could. Take a quarterback at number five. I don't think they should. Hopefully they won't. I don't think anybody thinks they really should. They could. Um, But they could still take a quarterback. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully they don't. Anthony Richardson, I'm not sold on. Will Levis, totally not sold on. Even Young and Stroud, you don't really know, right? Right. But it's take. they, They have other positions of need. But let's say they do take a quarterback at number five. Basically what they're doing is paying Gino to to groom his replacement. Exactly. And he's such a good dude. If he plays for, he's like, yeah, if I'm here for two years, it is what it is. If I'm here for the full contract, three years, it is what it is. But if he's there for two years, you know, Gino's going to help that guy. I don't care who it is. He helped you drew lock last year. Had no reason to. Right. When they were in direct competition. Yeah. He's not Russell Wilson. Starting job. Uh, Offense to Russell Wilson. He's Gino Smith. Exactly. And and I agree with you. I don't think they should take a quarterback at the fifth, depending who's there at 20 and depending if they're there at 20, because, you know, obviously they may move their their picks around. But this gives them so much flexibility because right now they still have that number five and they still could take one of the top quarterbacks, obviously. But they don't have to now. They didn't really have to even if they didn't sign Geno, but they really don't have to sure. now. So that add that all that's done is added value to that pick for them. Oh yeah, for sure. Because now that with that pick, teams can assume they don't need a quarterback. So the Panthers exactly. do need a quarterback. The Raiders need a quarterback. Exactly. Other, so they they could just teams? drop down a couple spots and bump that twenty up, or you know pick up another second rounder and another second rounder and another second rounder. I mean, they can do so much with that number five pick now. As well as, oh, you know, maybe just address the need on defensive line. Yeah, and that, I'm glad you brought that up because my only, and based on recent legal issues aside for Jalen Carter, right? the only thing I could see is if Jalen Carter is still there at number five, which he easily could be now for lots of reasons because teams yeah. trade up above Seattle to take a quarterback and because of the legal issues. Exactly. If Jalen Carter is there at number five, I mean, that's the only player, even if Will Anderson is available, Jalen Carter is available. I think they have to take him just because of the needs and his potential that he can be close to like Aaron Donald in the NFL, which changes your complete your, your entire defense for years and years, right? Or helps to anyway. But if he and, and I know you you can disagree with this because and I'm okay with it if you disagree. Well, with I know it. you're okay with it. But um, but if Jalen Carter is there, that's the only player I could think of where it's like if I were the Seahawks, I'd be like, 
70, 80% sure I'm not trading back. It kind of depends on what I'm offered in the trade, right? So it's like if a team says, yeah, I'll trade you if I'm the Panthers. I'm trading you pick nine for five and giving you a first-round pick in 2024 plus maybe a second or third-round pick in 20. Then then I'm probably doing it. But unless the pick just blows or the, the offer just blows me away, yeah. then I'm probably taking Carter. That or, said, if, if it's not Carter, I'm trading back. 99% of the time. Yeah, or if it's the Raiders at seven, and you know, and again, it all depends on how it plays out and who it looks like is going to go after them. I wouldn't take. Well, let me change this. The only way I would take Carter is if I am absolutely blown away by his answers as to his actions on that during that event. Do you know in the arraignment arraignments two weeks before the draft? Is that what you were saying right. last podcast? Do you know? I don't know how arraignments work. Do they actually ask questions or is it just like here are the charges now we're setting the court date? From my extensive viewing of uh, Law and Order and Perry Mason, I think all they're going to do is just. That's a lot of lot of viewing if you've watched Law and Order. It's been on for like 38 years. You probably know the legal system better than most attorneys. Almost as good as Sam Waterston, um, <clears throat> who's been on the show for. Has he been on the show for the entire run? I think he has. I thought he left. <laughs> no, 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 no. Michael Moriarty was on initially. Michael Myers? Sherlock Holmes was very upset about that. But um, <laughs> he's been on for most of He's been on for probably two and a half of those decades. I think, uh, I think the creator of Law & Order would probably appreciate Moriarty than, more than he would Holmes, to be honest. Just I, from my understanding of the creator of the show. But I, think you're, I think you're correct. Maybe he is Moriarty. <laughs> he might be. Anyway, to the point, yeah, I don't think there's – I think it's basically like, here are the charges. How do you plead? Blah. Okay, here's our trial date. Boom. I don't think there's really much presentation of evidence or the rest of that. It's just like all we're going to do is set the trial date. and Or you know, that would possibly be a time for them to start the process of settling out of court and blah, 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 which might be his smart move. You know, just be, yeah. go, go with adjudication and say, okay, I'll cop to this. And then we're Adju- done. Adjudication. Is that the movie yes. Renee Zellweger was in? Yes. She won Best Actress for That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Adjudication, yeah. She did a fabulous job, kind yeah. of, sort of. Um, Liza Minnelli's mom. Indeed. Renee uh, like in real life, Liza not even mom. in the... Yeah. Although you can't tell by the eyes because their eyes are completely opposite. Mm-hmm. One has, like, spotlights and the other has, like, slits. It's really strange. Um, Ooh, it's a family show. Pause. Um, <laughs> dead air. Dead air. Pause for the dead air. Pause, pause for the dead pause. air, please. Another great podcast title. Pause for the dead air. Along with that actually is a great podcast, podcast title. Yeah. That's what our podcast is called. Twelve Men Rising Podcast, but it's actually called Pause for Dead Air. On <laughs> this episode. Maybe that's what I should title the next podcast. Because I always have to put it's the title, but it's not the title of the show. It's so weird how how they do it, right? So it's like the Twelfth Men Rising podcast, but I always have to put in a title, and I'm always like, the guys discuss blah blah blah, which is basically <laughs> the guys discuss. The it's guys always Sunny reference, which is the Just gang blah blah blah. Just do that. So the guys pause for dead air. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'll do. The, the guys pause for dead air. I'll never remember it based on our make a note. conversation. Make, make a note and set I can't. I can't multitask. <laughs> I, I, 
we we were talking about Ben Folds' age pre-pro for those listeners out there. I haven't been able to move. He's staring at me because his image shows up. I haven't been able to move the the page. So I've been looking at Ben Folds the whole time we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> and it's a weird, like, it, it, his face is not just like, hey, this is me. He's actually got, like, one eye. Like, he looks at me condescendingly. So that's what I'm looking so. at. Understandably so. So if I sounded a little intimidated on this podcast, that's why. Ben? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I agree with you. If, again, if I'm completely satisfied with his answers, then yeah, because Carter's the type of athlete who can absolutely change your entire defense, not just not just the line, let alone just that position. Because he can um, play safety, too. That's a joke. Don't, yeah. don't look that up. I'm telling myself, since I'm the only listener, I'm like, I need to remind myself not to look up. Jalen Carter can also play safety. Ken Norton Jr. probably would put him there, though. Um, so glad we've moved Linebacker. Out. It's Ken Norton Jr. Everybody needs to play linebacker. Yeah, everybody. Everyone's dropping back in coverage on this play. <laughs> that oh, wouldn't thanks. surprise me, unfortunately. Oh, my lord. Anyway, yeah. Uh, unless they're absolutely blown away by whoever they have at that pick. And frankly, I'm sure you will agree. Pete and John, they know a little bit more about Italian evaluation. Italian, Italian, they, Italian they, evaluation? They can say they can say talent, and I can't, so they know more about it than Italian. I do. Italian. Italian should be a word. Italian. I'm going to pause no. for there again so we match our <laughs> broadcast description. Um, Pausing for dead air. If they're blown away by the by whoever they have at that point, Regardless of who it is, then yeah, they should obviously take him because I don't think they'll be wrong. Because they have missed on first round picks before, <clears throat> unfortunately, a few times, right? But I don't think they were like blown away by those guys. It's like they had the pick and that was the best available. And we're talking about people who are like 20th or 19th. LJ Collier. Yeah, yeah, or Malik McDowell. So. And he was a um, second rounder, so. Yeah, yeah, but he was their first pick, wasn't he? Their first pick. Yeah, but yeah, you can be. You're not the Los Angeles Rams. Your first picks in the fifth round. <laughs> they are going to have such a good season. Um, for us. So they're yeah, still gonna, they're away. still going to give. I mean, even before they were good, they still gave the Seahawks fits, right? So it's like it, the Rams are like, we're releasing the entire roster, and then next year the they play twice, and the scores are like 21-19. Yeah. Damn it. Unfortunately. And and I do think they will bounce back this because I had some nasty uh, injury problems last oh, year. Oh, yeah, so yeah. They'll be better. Anyway, I agree. Unless they're completely blown away, then drop back. But don't drop back too far. And and again, it depends on the deal. You know, if if they can get like you were saying, it's like, OK, we're going to throw it. You get next year's first round and we're going to give you this second round and this third. You know, then depending on exactly what they're getting, of course. So, uh, that being said, I don't think they're going to drop back. I think they're going to stick with the fifth pick, but I don't think. They're going to take started, a left tackle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me ask Chat GPG. That's what you oh, when they <laughs> read an article about why that doesn't. They've not given it any information past the year 2022, which is why it decided to say, oh, the Seahawks need tackles. It's like, mm. <laughs> so hey, maybe it knows more than we do. Okay, I'm just saying. Nice. You got to have tackle depth. Yeah, that would be awesome. Anyway, yes. I yeah, I um, Yeah. They won't be picking a quarterback, though. Not with that. No, pick. no, no. I, I just if they don't if they don't move back, I 
the only issue I would have with that is again, Jalen Carter aside. <clears throat> the only issue I would have with that is that there are players of the same ilk they could get by trading if they traded back. They'd add draft pick by trading back for t- picks. Right. But at number nine, they might also be able to get Miles Murphy or Tyree mm-hmm. Wilson or other players like that. Exactly. They're still going to get quality. That's why I think they need to. And, and we're just saying nine because we assume the Panthers are most desperate. But like you said, it could be the Raiders at seven. I think to me, it's like, and, and I could be completely wrong, but there's less incentive for the Raiders to give the Seahawks enough to trade back two picks because it's just two picks. Whereas the Panthers need to jump several teams to get to number five. If they like love Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, before the draft, we could see the Panthers trading up to the Cardinals or the bears or whatever. I mean, there could be a lot of things that happen and maybe the Seahawks are in a position to basically like, why would we trade back? I mean, there's no incentive and we're taking blah. Yeah. I just I, I think we both just agree it's it's hopefully it's not a quarterback <clears throat> and hopefully it's not Anthony Richardson. No, or not, Will I, I would be happy to have Anthony Richardson, but not at five. You know, if somehow he falls and even at nine, I'm really I don't know about that. Even at nine. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And there, I and mean, there's only no because he's available, not because he's worth the number nine pick. Yeah. So that's and that's so that's the issue. I mean, he's going to go higher than that. There's no way he's going to still be around at that point. Now, if they could get him with 20, yeah, absolutely. But he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there at 10. So unless there's some you know, insane stuff that comes out, just like with Jalen Carter, although hopefully not anywhere that level of uh, seriousness. So this is the I'm, long way of saying we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Yeah, of course, <laughs> nobody does. Even right, I mean, right. John Schneider and Pete Carroll have an idea of what they want to do, but even they don't know because they want to let the game come to them a little bit. But anybody who says, like, yeah, this is what the Seahawks are going to do at number five, I mean, it, or anything, they're just full of it. I, w- I wouldn't mind getting Hendon Hooker, but yeah. only if it was second or third round, his injury exactly. might hurt him. Exactly. But he, I've got questions about Hooker. I mean, he's not young. That's going to hurt his stat. Right. He was, or his status in the draft. He was, he's... He's was well, hurt. So that's going to hurt his status. No Is he a product of the system? That's going to hurt his status. The offensive system in college, because you know, could Josh Heupel implement Lee Vowell into that system? And no, even Lee Vowell is, looks halfway decent. <laughs> Not like Hendon Hooker, obviously, but I mean, it's that kind of thing. Is it the right. system or the quarterback? And exactly, he didn't do a whole lot at Virginia Tech, but he did great. And he also didn't turn the ball over a lot at Tennessee. So if if you're going to add a quarterback to let Geno groom, Hooker might be the guy. Agreed. Because if it doesn't work out, then. But not in the first round. And he wouldn't be going. Oh, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like second or third round. Like you said, in the second or third round, totally. If they can get him in the third round. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yes. That's a no brainer to take him. Yeah. In the third round. What about the kid from uh, Stanford? I, 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 I've never been sold on that guy. Yeah, because it's like he has his receivers are basically like, oh, leave Allen Todd Vandenberg or his receivers. No wonder he's not doing anything right. But I mean, he's still yeah, not he, Tanner McKee. That's his name. Yeah, he hasn't improved. I mean, he hasn't really done. He's just been the same quarterback. I, I don't see he'll end up being a Hall of Famer, of course, because I'm saying this, but <laughs> I just don't have any faith. 
that he actually wouldn't be anything but a backup in the NFL. Yeah, I, I've got the same vibe from him too. It just doesn't seem like he's got. Well, not that it doesn't seem that he's seen that he's got it. He hasn't shown that he's got it, which is a lot mm-hmm. more important. So, but then again, like you said, it's like ah, here's the next Tom Brady, except he'll have nine Super Bowl rings. It's like, like <laughs> right. we know that'll happen because we're dissing the guy. Not dissing the guy, but I mean just a yeah. late a later round pick. Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, the poor guy went to Stanford. Even if it, you know, he'll never have a job if football doesn't work out. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure he's a good kid, but it's. Yeah, I just don't know if he's. I don't know. I I just think he's like a later round. I don't mean like fifth or something, but it's like, like Booker, third round maybe I'd look at him, but I would not think I wouldn't even look at him in the second round because. The Seahawks have a lot of positions of need, and now quarterback is not an immediate position of need. Exactly, yeah. And they used to go best player available, right? So, I mean, at at some if you're picking at number five, the best player available may not be a quarterback, even if there's a quarterback available like Richardson or, or Levis. Yeah. Even, heck, even if it's Young or Stroud, I mean, Will Levis is probably a better player best player available you know um jalen carter is probably best player available tyree wilson might be best player available so christopher dunn but um i always have to christopher dunn but uh heck he at his position um true true but uh but yeah so uh no other seahawks news going on nothing happening next week's boring free agency starts we won't have any seahawks news with free agency for three weeks what happened last year on this day? Last year on this day, um, I was probably working. It was a it was a Tuesday. Is that what you're asking? Uh, yeah, yeah it's probably that's, that's what I was asking. Yeah, it's probably a busy day. It was probably a Tuesday. Not so busy as a Monday. Hanging out, talking, drinking, drugging, thugging. Same thing I always do. <laughs> one of the players, one of the players that uh, uh, left a certain organization a year ago today, may John uh, Morant. May return. Mm, I don't think that will happen. Um, may return to the organization. Can I can I interrupt you for just a second because I was looking up free agents. Unique Ngakwe. Do you know yeah. he's been on? If he changes teams, if he signs as a free agent somewhere else, that would be his sixth team in four seasons. Which means if you even if you're a great edge rusher, because he would be a decent fit for the Seahawks in free he agency. Be. He would be. But even if you're a great pass rusher as an edge rusher, so if you can't stop the run, yeah, yeah, I just I was kind of shocked. It just kind of shows the the actual value of a of a player who can pass uh, pass the rusher. That makes sense. Rush the passer. Well, but that's you, the problem. You can't stop he can the rush run. the passer, but but he does he does pass the rusher as the rusher goes past him. That's true. He's the anti Janavian clown. He goes, he goes right. Back. Yeah, he would be the anti Janavian. Um, yeah, that's bizarre. That's that almost smacks of like there's something else other than just like oh you don't recognize the run. That's a lot of teams, man. Speaking of smack, did you watch the Chris Rock? I did. Did you like it? I, I haven't liked, seen it. I liked it. Oh, you didn't? I, oh yeah, that's right. You saw it towards the end of it, uh, or you saw the clip. I liked it. I liked the fact that he uh, pulled a bait and switch. The Jason whole, Bateman and Switch. The whole show is nothing but clickbait because you're waiting for him to talk about it. Ugh, people are so stupid. Um, 
Is that really it? it? That doesn't a, really happen, does it? No, 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 no. It's oh. an interesting. It's a. It's an interesting set. He's funny because he's Chris Rock. The one thing that always bothers me about Chris Rock is he always laughs at his own jokes. It's like, please. I, yeah, I get that. I, stop, I, stop, I, stop, stop doing that, dude. He, I mean, it's just a mannerism. But, <clears throat> but he's very bright. He's very funny. You know, obviously, he has very. The whole set's very funny, and then and he kind of hints at the situation, and then he finally gets to it. And uh, it's interesting. He calls out Will Smith. He calls out Jada Pinkett Pinkett Smith, which is also interesting for starting the whole thing, as he put it. And you'll just have to see it to know what he's talking about. And it's it's very interesting because he is intense at the end of it when he does his mic drop. I mean, he has this he has this look on his face like this wasn't a bit. Like, this was serious stuff. It's biting. It's almost Jamie Raskin-esque. <laughs> and that could be him acting, because he is a quality actor, of course. Probably had flashbacks to uh, Spiral. But um, <laughs> it's, it's – it's, I would say it is Dave Chappelle-esque in that it's funny, but there's also – he's also addressing some serious issues. Not to that point. Not to that point that Chappelle does, but because it's more comedic, and I'm not saying that Chappelle is not comedic because he's hilarious, but Chappelle spends more. He this is different when Chappelle does it. I mean, yeah, because he basically his he is talking about those things almost the whole time and just makes right. it funny. Right. Well, exactly. he makes it funny mostly. Mostly, in, yeah. To yeah. Me. But to other people, he may offend, and I understand the reason for being offended by some of the things he's saying. But he's also saying it purposefully to offend to bring out into mm-hmm. light other things exactly because that's the genius of Chappelle, right um but yep, i agree but the chris rock special is definitely worth watching cool. for, not just for the last because it's about the last 10 minutes of it that he talks about that issue which is really really good and that's all anyone's talking about but the whole thing is really good if he hadn't addressed it well people would have been disappointed because when are you going to talk about it chris <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the whole it's it's very good not one of the best uh, comic sets I've seen, but I mean, totally worth watching. What will be before I actually took you off the rails there? What were we going to say? We were going to say, boy, those Seahawks sure are good. <laughs> yeah, love those action green uniforms. No, it was something about uh, before <laughs> before Chris Rock interrupted you. You talking about slap being slapped and then slapped around. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyway, Oscars. So, uh, yeah. So the Oscar, uh, did you actually end up, and, and again, this is Texas conversation, a, boring conversation, how the sausage is made. I've only seen a few of the films. Did you, I, did you watch The Banshees? <clears throat> I was I was uh, remanded from watching and redacted from watching okay. Banshees until Friday evening. I can, I'll can i watch it Friday evening okay. or Saturday, but I'll watch them before uh, the Oscars. So I will have missed The Fablemans and Women Talking. I've seen – and Avatar The Way of Water because I really don't care about that movie. Um, but the others I will have seen before the Oscars. So the Best Picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So, so far, as we're recording on Wednesday, March 8th, how, oh, that's what we were talking about. 
Russell Wilson got traded last year and Bobby Wagner got released. Ha! Huh? Anyway, back to the Oscars. And Bobby Wagner possibly may come back to the Seahawks. That was what yeah, we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring, yeah. boring stuff. Didn't change our, the franchise our, at all. Our combined age is like a hundred and no, I'm sorry, two hundred and ninety, which is why we it's totally forgot 100. forgot the track. Oh God, yeah. that's yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. So it last tracks. year, a year from uh, a year, a year, a year ago today, as yes. we're recording. Yes. Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos and Bobby Wagner was released later on the same day or announced he was going to be released on the same day. And it's just crazy that those two things, which goes to show you the Seahawks are capable of doing anything they want to do and they don't care if it's on the same day or not. So anything could happen with the Seahawks in this draft. That's true. Basically. That's true. They could trade, so, anyway. trade Pete Carroll for Jalen Carter. That's right. Or Anna DeMarmes. Anna de Armos. What the hell is wrong? I've only had like a Nothing. sip of a beer. Maybe I need to have a whole beer. And then <clears> it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Now I sound still like an idiot, but but normal. So anyway, uh, so best picture nominees as of March. A normal 8th. idiot. That that's Oscar bait right there. Is like my normal, a, a normal normal idiot. Idiocy. Yeah. My normal idiocy. I mean, Not other people's people. idiocy. No, that's that's true. all relative. Don't talk about comparatively speaking. <laughs> um, anyway yeah best picture so so as of today how many have the i know you're going to see more before the before the oscars but how many have you seen so far i haven't seen any of them i just didn't feel like watching movies this year <laughs> <laughs> i know you've seen everything everywhere all at once yes i've seen elvis everything everywhere all at once i've seen tar i've seen top gun maverick oh you did I've see seen- tar oh, okay yeah, okay. I just actually watched that last night and Top Gun Maverick and blah, blah, blah. I'm halfway through Triangle of Sadness, which seems weird, but that's. <laughs> yeah, it does seem. Those two fits of. I took the hypotenuse, so. Which part, which part, without giving too much away, of course, people haven't, won't ever see that film because you've seen it. Um, well, where did you pause in Triangle of Sadness? About 89 degrees. What, what's, hap- what, what's happening in your film? <laughs> Uh, they haven't, they haven't had their wreck yet. They haven't had their issues. Have they had the dinner? They're in the dinner. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. It's it's if you like, you know, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. have fun the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, whew, gets messy. Yeah. Let's just say that. So, yeah. um, I have seen, um, the Banshees, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. I haven't seen... I, w- I want to see All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm just not sure if I'm going to have time to see that. Avatar I will not see before... Heck, I don't know if I'll see it ever. I'm sure I'll see it at some point. Um, uh, Tar, I want to see... It looks really good. Um, and Which I think it's available on... A streaming service, Peacock or something, right? It's on Peacock, exactly. It's home watching it. Um, so uh, let's talk about Tar a little bit. Um, no, tar. It's it's a movie about cementing the road. Is that correct? It sounds kind of boring, but just some workers out there. Mm-hmm. Like every state, like Kentucky, has whoa, baby, whoa, leave racing to horses to slow down, and then 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, yeah, other stuff. Andy like Warhol that. film. It's just six workers putting tar, putting out asphalt on a highway for twenty. Well, hours. it's it's an Andy Warhol film. It's the six workers after they've worked that day and then sleeping for eight hours. <laughs> so tar is about the. Uh, this is going to be a really long <laughs> segment. Uh, yeah, tar is about a, a female director played by Kate, Kate Blanchett, who uh, my daughter refers to as Pig Lady because her nose is somewhat. And just a little large, and it looks even more so in Lord of the Rings, and so forever after she's so anti-Australian. Yeah, so isn't it? She's just awful. Uh, my daughter, <laughs> not, not Kate Blanchett. Um, <clears throat> but I'm getting a call from Kate right now. No, no, no. Todd misspoke. Tar, Tar has zero chance of winning Best Picture. Um, it's a really good film. I'm not saying that, but it would never win Best Picture because they speak a lot of German in this film, and it's not subtitled. Boss? Uh, it's about it's about classical music, but it's not funny like Amadeus. So zero chance. I mean, it, it, honestly, it is it is a deep, complex film. And what makes it complex? I, I know it's about the person, right? Part of it but, is part of it is the person, right? Because I mean, oh, it's, okay. it's biography, right? But a lot of it is just the setting. It's like if you don't. If you don't have an appreciation for classical music, you're going to turn this thing off in 10 minutes. And that's not an issue. It's it's about a compo- it's about a conductor of classical music. So of course there's got to be classical music, and it would be bizarre if there wasn't. But you have to. It helps a lot to know something about the music and to know something about the composers and to know why she's so dedicated to Mahler. And, and you know, it's just there's so much depth to this that needs so much context to really get the most out of the film. And most people aren't going to have that because it's not in most people's wheelhouses. It doesn't mean, oh, they're not cultured. It's just, it's, you know, it's a limited interest, right? It's like a combination between Bach and Mozart, right? It's, it's a mock. It is a mock. That's a, that's or a, a Will Arnett thing from <laughs> Arrested so, Development. So, I think. because of that, because it, it's, you really have to understand the context uh, to really get the most out of the film. And then it's a complex film because of the characters and the rest of it. It's a really, really good film, absolutely. And she is terrific. She may very well win, but it's got zero no, we know, shot. We know who's going to win. We yeah. know who's, it's funny, you mentioned it has no shot. Really, nine of these ten films have no shot. I, I hope you're right. I'll just put it that way. I hope you're right. Which one do you, besides... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Do you think would have a shot? Uh, Elvis. 
and the Fablemans. Uh, Elvis, well, yeah, it's, a, good it's point. a big I think splashy, the yeah. it's a big splashy cinematic film, and it's a good movie. I mean, it's a really good movie. So, yeah, that works. And they like musical biopics. Uh, and Fablemans, not Steven Spielberg's heartfelt personal opus. And I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, okay, that right there, that probably got a third of the Academy without seeing it. Not that he's exactly had a lot of luck at the Oscars, which is kind of bizarre, right? But, yeah. but, but again, that goes back to they have a long, long history, which we'll get into when we get to the Rob Gordons, of screwing up on one nomination and then later on, oh, well, you know what? We should have done it this year, but here's the makeup award. They do that a lot. <laughs> they yeah, do they that do. a lot. It won an Oscar. But um, yeah. yeah, to me, absolutely, hands down, the best movie last year. Probably the best movie the past 10 years, everything ever, where at once. And why? You, 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 it's the same reason that I have. You have the same reason. How – is this like lots of other films? Is this the standard genre that we see? Like musical biopics like Elvis or the heartfelt coming-of-age story, The Fablemans? Well, so The Fablemans is – it's a lot more than the coming-of-age story. I mean, but I know that's how it's sold, but there's a lot more to it. But yeah. it's just everything everywhere all at once is so – different it's it's yeah. the same reason i thought the artist when it won was like yeah it was just so di- schindler's list is the same way right they're right. just completely different exactly. films unto themselves and it's just so as as we kind of talked about probably on the podcast before it everything everywhere all at once is is a near perfect film but it just the 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 hours that it must have taken to edit that film alone it's yeah. just insane. And, it's, and to have everything right is, is just yeah. insane. And filled with incredible performances. I mean, 100%, yeah. I mean, won Golden Globes for Best Ensemble and the SAG Awards for Best Ensemble and Best Actress and Best Actor. I mean, it's winning all these acting awards. And in some ways, that's not the best part of the film, as great as the acting is. It's right. an incredible script. Like you said, the editing is yeah. fantastic. It's so cinematic. I mean, I said Elvis is very cinematic, and it is. It looks beautiful. Uh, everything everywhere. It, it looks once, like a Baz Luhrmann film. I love Baz Luhrmann, right, but it looks like right. a Baz Luhrmann film. Everything everywhere all at once makes Elvis look like it's some video I shot on my phone. I, I, and it's not like a. I don't have like an iPod 16 either. You know, I mean, it just it makes everything else look like they don't understand what cinema can do. My only my only issue with everything everywhere all at once is it was very derivative. <laughs> so I'm, I'm joking. That's a joke. But uh, I um yeah, every film I, I won't say that there's any film of the ones I've seen on the best picture nominees that are like, oh it got nominated because of blah. I think they all are worthy of being nominated. Yeah, all the films I've seen absolutely should have been nominated. I mean, some people are crying, oh, Top Gun Maverick is like, Top Gun Maverick is not an action picture. I mean, it is, but mm-hmm. it's so much more than an action picture. Absolutely deserves to be nominated. Everything I've seen absolutely deserves the nomination. Yeah, 100%. But, but they all fit into categories, except for everything everyone. And they did something completely different, and they did it unbelievably well. How is does, that not the Does best Triangle thing? of Sagness, though, does it fit? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It's like, what is this? But I mean, it's it's different yeah. because if if people watch that, it's a 
good film. But if oh, yeah. they they see everything everywhere all at once, it's just like you're a. Yeah. It's like, oh, I was Jalen Carter at Georgia, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to the NFL. It's like, oh, well, I'm not ready for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Trying um, to is different, but, I mean, we've seen other dark satires, right? I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe not done that well, and I know there's differences, but it's still, it fits a category better than everything ever. And from what I've true. seen to that extent, it's not, it's not as groundbreaking as everything everywhere all at once either. Yeah. And the thing I, I love about the band and we, I think we talked about this while we were texting, but the two films of the ones I've seen, I would watch all of them again with no problem and not dislike them. But the two films I would yeah. actively rewatch multiple times would be the Banshees film and then everything everywhere all at once, just because of the Banshee is just like the, the story is extremely unique um, the decisions they make in the film are ex- very unique, and you're thinking, oh, they won't do that. Oh, they actually did do that. And then just the the acting itself is just like, yeah. that fucking amazing. Um, which is what drives the crazy. Yeah. What's, and, and I think it helps, to me, I think it, it helps in a weird way that Colin Farrell, because we were watching something, I think, I can't remember if it was like a talk show, Donna and I, my girlfriend and I, were talking about watching, and Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were on this thing together, and she was like, oh, I, don't, I wonder if they like each other. I'm like, they they clearly are really good friends off, it doesn't matter if they ever make films together, but in this film, it's kind of funny, ironically, about this film, but you can tell that they used to be, this is not giving anything away in the film, they used to be friends and now they are no longer friends. And, but I think that kind of that, that they are friends in real life really helps the film itself. Um, because it's like, Oh, you just have to see it. Wait till Friday night when you see it. Um, but anyway, let's, let's move on to Rob Gordon's cause we are running out of time. I got a call <laughs> with John Schneider, the guy from Dukes of Hazzard later. Um, that's a lie. But, uh, so <laughs> I think what we did is acting snubs for the Oscars over, not this year, but every time, everywhere, all at once. Um, Well done. (laughs) But, and and it's, we're not, we're not, we're both liberals. It's not like this has to be a man. Um, I will say, I do have just, and I hate to say this, just one female on my list. Because we tried to narrow it down to five, and if we had made it a hundred, which we easily yeah. both could have, I probably would have had forty females on it. I have two. Um, but I ended up with one, I'm two, like quite three. Quite as much of a rat bastard as you. <laughs> one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. I've got seven, seven on my list. Really, it's more like six, because I just, I, I couldn't, couldn't stop. So. Um, well, in that case, I have six because I, I. Well, two, yeah. two of them are the same person. And I really didn't want to. You? That's weird. Um. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if, if it had been me being snubbed, we would have reached into the thousands. I've been snubbed most of my life. I'd like to say. So um, anyway, so you have you have you actually have legitimately six. So we should just make this six then, right? Yeah, if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, two of my I have six if I can combine the the actor. Okay, the there you go. 
Okay. So yeah. Todd came up with the list, so I'll go first. That's how we do it here at the Rob Gordon's on whatever this podcast is called. Pause pause for silence. Pause for pause for dead air. Pause for dead um, air. Pause for dead air. Um but uh that is a good title, by the way. But so number whatever this is, <laughs> six. Number six. I have I have Tom Cruise on here twice. One is for Top Gun, because if you're going to nominate the film, you got to na- nominate Tom Cruise. Top Top Gun and Maverick or Top Gun? Maverick. No, you got to nominate Top Gun because the film doesn't exist in the same realm without Tom Cruise. Exactly. He's I, I agree. phenomenal in the role, and I think he does it so well, it's hard to imagine anybody else doing that role or that kind of role as well which makes him unique to me. So he should have been nominated. He sh- I'm not saying he should win. He should have been nominated yeah. for best actor. Um, the other Tom Cruise film I have, we've talked about this for decades, literally, but I always felt he was extremely underappreciated in is Rain Man because, yeah. because Dustin Hoffman's character, he won, Dustin Hoffman won for best actor. They, but he, he has a fairly stagnant character. I mean, there are some you know, there's some things he does at the end where it's like, blah, Tom Cruise's character is the one that has to change from who he was today. So he has the more dynamic character. I think he's phenomenal in that film. I think Tom Cruise is an underrated, underrated actor. And I know you and I have had discussions about that for, but I, I think Rain Man, he was underappreciated. He should have been nominated for best supporting actor in that. And he wasn't. So I, I can, I can understand that. I mean, the, uh, totally the Top Gun Maverick thing. Uh, but I, I get the point on Rain Man. Uh, yeah, because a lot of times you want to see an, a character arc, and there ain't one for uh, Dustin. So no, and uh, Cruz and, and Rain Man, uh, he's the one that he's kind yeah. of a jerk. He's an asshole to start with, right? Mm-hmm. And but then at the end, he yeah, he, he has a has, huge character arc. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because he has a, an emotional connection mm-hmm. with his brother, who's Dustin Hoffman <laughs> in the film, and it's just the way he. I mean. Maybe it's because he's action, he's Tom Cruise, he's whatever, you know, but it's like, I think he's an under underappreciated actor. Agreed. I'm going to go with one of your favorite actors, and usually I would be facetious with this, but no, one of your favorite actors. I'm going to go with Charlie Chaplin in The Great Dictator. And this goes back to those when Hollywood screws up and they come back and give it to you later. So 1939, Jimmy Stewart did not win Best Actor for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and he absolutely should have. Instead, it went to Robert Donat for Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and it was one of those typical tearjerk things that Hollywood loved, even back in 1939. So, He screwed up a whole lot of stuff in 1939 to 1941. He screwed up a whole lot of stuff still. So, 1940 rolls around. Jamie Stewart wins for the Philadelphia story. He's really good in the Philadelphia story, but... Cary Grant was even better and wasn't even nominated. 1940, Charlie Chaplin was in The Great Dictator. 1940, he's doing a satire on Adolf Hitler, and the U.S. isn't even in the war yet. And it's a magnificent performance. And the end of the film is one of the greatest monologues in film history. And the fact that he didn't win is an absolute shame, crime, slash abomination so yeah my number six is charlie chaplin for the great dictator i think he's english so you think maybe that he would have gotten more appreciation from great britain than the united states i i don't disagree with you at all i'm you yeah. know how i feel about charlie chaplin yeah yeah um 
but I just wonder if it was more because he at the, he was living in Los Angeles, obviously. Um, but he he is English, so I wonder if that. I I think it was strictly yeah. Later on, they 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 gave it up for uh, for Hamlet. So I I think it was just like oh we screwed up last year, Jimmy. Here's your here's your award. It's like so stupid because yeah. he wasn't he wasn't the best actor in that film. I mean it, he's really good, but not better than Charlie Chaplin in a, in a far more difficult role too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'll Charles go. Uh, he played a Jewish tailor who was mistaken for, for uh, basically who a person who was Adolf Hitler. So he plays two very different roles because he's this little timid guy who's impersonating this brash, loudmouth, evil bastard dictator. Right. So. Yeah, it's very very arrested development. Um, so <laughs> it is. my. I'm, my next one is Jack Nicholson in The Shining. It's a role that wow. probably wouldn't get a person nominated per se, but yeah. he was that character, and the character is even then was fairly iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to imagine, again, anybody else playing that character as well, if anyone. So, you know, uh, the Academy Awards, the uh, Oscars should be given to people of excellence, um, and excellent in specific roles <clears throat> and unique roles. And that, that to me, is, I don't have a lot of horror stuff on here, but the shining Jack Nicholson and the shining, it's like, what would the shining be without Jack Nicholson? You know? Yeah, I, I agree on that. And, <clears throat> and a lot of actors, it seems like most actors after they win, they say, you know, it's kind of an unfair thing because to really judge it correctly, you'd have to put all of us in the same role, but there are certain things that, it just wouldn't work with anyone else else in that role, and that's that's an example. Totally agree. I'm going to go for my next with, and again, these are no particular. Well, I do actually have a particular order for my number one, but uh, next is Jane Alexander for Testament. Uh, that's back in 1983. I guarantee you, probably nine people have seen this movie. Okay, but it's, it's a, a biopic of the band, I believe. <laughs> it is. So, for some reason, in the early 80s, there was an incredible amount of angst about. Uh, nuclear war, which, you know, not that there shouldn't be angst about it, but uh, the day after came out and it was a huge TV movie. Oh, yeah. Testament came out the same year. It is, I don't know, a hundred times better than the day after. And a lot of people still remember the day after, which was just this big overblown, might have been, might as well have been a Michael Bay film for all the heart and sense it makes. Wasn't that a TV film? Yeah, it was a TV film. And Testament just was a very small art house released film even wound up on pbs that tells you how big this film was right that pbs was showing the thing (laughs) but it's about the end of the world but it's it's about how a one family handles the end of the world in their little community and how everything gradually starts society just gradually starts falling apart and people start getting sicker and sicker from radiation poisoning wait are you talking about the last of us (laughs) (laughs) <clears throat> I tell you what, if the last of them, and from what I've seen of The Last of Us, it's excellent. But if it was as good as Testament is, people would be turning off the TVs, their TV sets in tears. Uh, Testament is gut-wrenching, and Jane Alexander is the mother of the key family, and she is absolutely the heart of this film. Uh, Shirley McLean won that year for Terms of Endearment. Great performance. It's it's wonderful, but it's not even her best performance. And this is again one of those is like, wow, you've been great for 25 years, Shirley. Here's an award. You know, <laughs> like 
stop doing that crap. Jane Alexander was absolutely, I mean, to me, that's one of the, <clears throat> absolutely one of the 10 best performances. Yeah. A period. She is absolutely incredible. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so number four, I guess, right? Because we're doing yeah. six on this. Right. So, uh, well, I guess number four, I'm just going to go, I'll actually say, I'm going to flip it. So I've got uh, Hugh Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, who, nice. yeah, a, a comedy, comedy is, you know, uh, the, yeah. the once again nominator, basically dramas, writer, that kind of ilk. Mm-hmm. Comedy is extremely underrated. And from, you know, if you're an actor, most people say, oh, it's harder to do comedy than it is drama. And Hugh Grant's just, he's so good in that film that he has to have a lot of scenes with the siphon known as Andy McDowell. And the film's still great. So <laughs> that's why he deserves, should have gotten an Oscar nomination. <laughs> I can totally agree on that. Totally agree on that. Yeah, and comedies and horror. You touched on horror before. They're both vastly underserved in uh, in the Oscars. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised Nope didn't. Nope came out last year, right? Didn't get any nomination. Yeah, basically didn't get anything, which is bizarre. But well, you, I think I, you had the right. You had a B word, but it was the wrong one. You should have said bullshit. Yeah, that's the one I should have said. Um, my next, I'm going to go with. Uh, since we went to six, I actually have three actresses on here. My next is Isabel Huppert, or as uh, Google says, the American pronunciation is Isabel Huppert. Uh, <laughs> honestly, that's what it Jim Huppert says. Yeah, might as well be Jim Huppert. <clears throat> so she is in this tense psychological. Eh, it's really more of a thriller, a psychological drama called L, where she is uh, she was victimized, and she knew who did it, and then she tries to get her revenge. So it's this little cat and mouse game. Really, really well done. <clears throat> and she lost out to Emma Stone for La La Land, which is like, are you kidding me? Are you that was La La Land was like the, had all the momentum that year. I mean, I, yeah. it's fine. It's a I good mean, film, but it's, it's a just fun like... film. It's good. But for one thing, if you're going to, if you're going to tell stories about a singer and a, and a, and, and, and a dancer, cast someone who can sing and dance. I mean, yeah. she can sing. Okay. But you mentioned before, we talked about, uh, <clears throat> wow, wow, Renee Zellweger, who won for Judy. And at first I thought, why are they doing this? And when I first watched it, I was like, what are, you, what are you trying to do here? She's trying to sing like Judy Garland. And I thought about it and it's like, she's singing like Judy Garland at the end of her career when her voice was shot. Mm-hmm. That works because Zellweger can sing. I mean, she's been in musicals and she can sing fairly well, you know, but. That worked because, again, she's supposed to be playing like one of the most iconic singers ever. But at the end of her career, when she when she still sounded good, but she didn't sound like she used to. Emma Stone is not playing someone who is like at the end of their career. You know, she's playing this up and coming great singer. And it's like she's not a great singer. She's she's good for an actress. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. And their their dance, the dance scenes in La La Land are awesome. But. Those two dancing, Ryan Gosling dances as white as anybody on the planet. <laughs> like, why Why did you do this? Like, I, the acting by them is really good. But, again, Emma Stone, anybody could have won. This is almost more an anti-Emma Stone for that performance. Mm-hmm. I like her as an actress. Yeah, I like, I like her, too. But Isabel Hooper, Hooper was miles better than Elle. And, again, you know, it's a French... Gee, which is going to win La La Land, which almost won the Oscar <laughs> or, you know, this 
this French film that like nine people saw. Probably <laughs> ten because nine people saw Testament. Anyway, we're on to well, a lot two. more people saw him on that '76 tour. So I think we're on three, right? Yeah, we're on three. Um, so I'll go with Scarlett Johansson and Lost in Translation. Uh, we didn't get nominated. Uh, Scarlett's since won. I think she's won twice, right? She at least she's been nominated twice. But um, great actress. I mean, hands down, great actress. But Lost in Translation is just a very acting piece. It's mm-hmm. she and Bill Murray. Um, really well done, but again, it's all based on how the chemistry between these two actors and Bill Murray is fantastic. He did get nominated. Scarlett Johansson did not get nominated, which is a crime in itself. Both should have gotten nominated because the picture got nominated. Right. Um, she's phenomenal in it. Um, that's it. Period. End of sentence. I'm going to go. Speaking of people who are not nominated, uh, let me double check and make sure I'm right. Because I don't want to say the wrong thing. You did not do your research. What? This is I, a highly researched show that we can't even think the name of. <laughs> I did do my research, but I left out this one part thing. If he was even nominated, and I don't think he was even nominated. Let's see. It doesn't matter. Um, actually, here we go. Boom, 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 boom. Chris Farley. Okay, so Bozeman was nominated, but. This was an absolutely ridiculous crime. To me, it's not the most egregious one yet, but absolutely one of the top three travesties of in Oscar history. Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, lost to Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Now, Hopkins is obviously a fantastic actor, and he's great in The Father. But how can you have how could you possibly have seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and not said Chadwick Boseman is absolutely Gave the best acting performance of the year. Absolutely. I think you're wrong. The reason you're wrong isn't because he shouldn't have won the award, which he should have. It's because everybody literally thought he was the best and won all the awards until it got to the Oscars. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, no, he's won too much. We're just going to give it it to this white guy. And it was and it was set up because, oh, this would be the posthumous Oscar and they'd love to do that, too. And it's like, I think. I think it went through the voters' minds. It's like, oh, it's just going to look like we gave it to him because he's dead. It's like, no. Anybody who's seen the freaking film knows why he gave it to him. And he'd already won several awards for that yeah. film. Yeah, it had basically yeah, it didn't it make swept all the acting awards. Yeah. So that was just – I was so, so pissed off that night. It still pisses me off. Not as much as two other things did, though. But that was just – are you freaking – I mean, at least Anthony Hopkins was – he was terrific in The Father. But you know what? Anthony Hopkins can play that role – I was going to say in his sleep, and he, for some of it, he did. That's right. In a war hospital. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and my my last two are basically the same. It's funny you brought up Bozeman. I'm going to bring up a guy who has a new film out, Michael B. Jordan, who yeah. should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Black Panther because he is so phenomenal in that role and so good as the antagonist in that role. And yeah. the last scene he's in is just heartbreaking. Yeah. It was phenomenal acting. The f- film was great, but it, again, it, it was supported by great acting, including Michael B. Jordan, who should have been nominated for his role in that. It's, uh, it's because maybe it was an action film, but I, I don't know. Maybe that was it, but he, he deserved it. Yeah, again, I mean, the kid, the Academy likes a certain type of film, which, again, that makes the okay, Chadwick Boseman's non-win for Black Bottom insane because it's the kind of film they love, but... 
except it had dark people in it. Maybe that was it. And he was uh, a bad guy. He was a bad guy in dark people. <laughs> yeah, totally. As we've talked about off podcast. Yeah, my, Michael B. Jordan is. If he's in a movie, you need to go see it because you know he's going to be outstanding. The movie, eh, you never know. Although typically they're great. But Michael B. Jordan is, I think, incapable of giving anything less than a terrific performance. And yeah, he was absolutely magnetic in that film. Absolutely magnetic. Like he is in virtually everything. Uh, for my number two, I will go back to the actresses and again to a category which doesn't get a lot of love with the academies, the, the horror films. And I mentioned Renee Zellweger before. She did fine playing Judy Garland and Judy. But Lupita Nyong'o in Us, again. We're just, we're just naming all Black Black Panther actors at this point. Right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> didn't even get nominated. And she plays two, two incredibly complicated, incredibly strong, fantastic roles blows everybody off the screen i mean but fits within the context of the film how could she not be nominated if that's just like uh, what are you doing how did you not nominate this woman for this film i mean it's an incredible performance and she's not even nominated and oh no let's give it to this actress because she did a really good job. She did do a really good job in Judy. But, you know, it's a musical biopic. We love those. She's playing a beloved member of Hollywood who we treated like crap while she was alive. So this is kind of a paying back Judy for all the horrible crap we did to her, too. Because she never got an Oscar except for some little, you know, pissant juvenile award for <clears throat> The Wizard of Oz. So, so they were doing double payback with that one. And not even nominate Lupita Nyong'o. You are absolutely brainless. The, I don't well, know what the hell is going I, on in the Academy sometimes. I think sometimes it just goes, again, it goes back to them being African-American um, actors, right? And we reached out to the Academy and, and believe the email I got back from them said, I don't know what else you want between Mahershala Ali and Denzel Washington. Those people have four. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> What's your number one is. Oh, you wait. My number one is not an African American actor, but it's the best bad guy in any film ever, who's a real person, and it's this film has stood the the test of time. It's still phenomenal. You could watch it over and over and over, and it's underappreciated because it's an action film, but it's Alan Rickman and Die Hard. I knew you were going there. I almost went with Alan Rickman as well, so I'm glad I didn't. But totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, American Film Institute did their heroes and villains list. I think he was number two, right, after Darth Vader. Darth Vader. But I mean, or it's Darth Vader and and uh, Hannibal Lecter, but Hans is in the top three. Is Lecter and a bad guy, though? Deservedly so. Well, he's he's not the bad guy. That's he, the, the funny a, thing. He, I mean, he's, he's a, not a good he's guy. guy. He's a villain. He, he's does, a villain. He kills, yeah, I guess, kills I guess. people and eats them. He's but he also the, helps. He helps he's not the find. bad guy in the film, actually. He helps them true. find the bad guys. So. Yeah, and what does he have? It's like 18 minutes of screen time, something ridiculous like that, and he won Best Actor, which was deserved, deserved but it's hilarious how much... Hell, we're talking about... Uh, but, I know you got to jump off here in just a minute, and you want to do your number one, but talk about Alan people Rick. who should have been nominated for in yeah. a very short amount of screen time. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, hate to bring him up in, nowadays, but Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross. Oh, my God, yes. 
the most electric scene in that film, and it's filled with them. I, I mean, we've talked about it for probably for, I don't know, a couple decades, probably since the day it came out. Acting class. Go watch this movie. I mean, my God. But back to Alan Rickman. Absolutely agree. That is a phenomenal performance by a guy who just like, again, pretty much incapable of turning in anything other than a phenomenal performance. And never nominated for an Oscar. Which is, how did that happen? I mean, I know you're not a big fan of Love Actually, right? But no, I, I can't stand it. It's not my favorite Christmas film ever. It's just I'm probably yeah. in the top one. <laughs> Alan Rickman in, in, in an incredible ensemble piece, right? Yeah. He stands out so much in that film. Yeah. The guy, is, the guy was just a, an acting genius. I mean, elevates the Harry Potter films. They're fun, right? But he elevates that role. Oh, yeah, for sure. those movies so much. But that character... That, that's just genius. I mean, Die Hard, it would be a fun action film and stuff, but he makes that film. It's not Bruce Willis, It's and it's not the direction. And Willis is great. Yeah. Not to take anything away from Willis, yes. but yeah. But Alan Rickman was fantastic in that. Uh, my number one, eh, he has won a couple Oscars, as you said. Uh, and he was nominated for his role in Fences. But to this day... I get pissed when I think about it. Denzel Washington did not win for Fences and said Casey Affleck won. And yeah, he's fine. But Denzel Washington in Fences, that might have been the best performance ever, period, by anybody in any role. And, you know, the background of it, and maybe the background shouldn't matter, but he he bought the rights to the property, what, like 25 years yeah, and waited, Richard Attenborough and waited, and waited to make the film until he was the right age to play the role. Yeah. And it's absolutely and it's not a nice person. And it's but it's such a complicated character. He's not just a straight villain. You know, he's not the hero of his own piece like he is in Training Day, which is a phenomenal performance. But is he a think, hero? He's not a hero. Training day, then? No, no, that's what I'm saying. He's the hero of his in his own mind in training. Oh, in his own mind, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So he's hard. Yeah, he's a horrible person in training day. Uh, he actually should be on the top villain list. In, well, like in the top five. But <clears throat> if you think he's good in training day, and I'm pretty much sure everyone's seen training day, you, you need to watch him in fences because, oh my God. I mean, it's such an incredible performance. It's such a real performance. You just like, I mean, you just want to be Will Smith and go up and slap him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if I, if I yeah. could add, if I even, we could, again, this list could be very oh, yeah. long, but if I could add one, it would be Denzel Washington and Malcolm X. Yeah. Which is, he's phenomenal. He is Malcolm X in that film, but it's, oh, that film was, was way too black for the Academy. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, hmm. it's just, it's just stunning how, and again, in most of these cases, it's not that the person who won didn't do it a good job. That's happened at times. But for me, at least, it's just they just didn't hold up to the people who who didn't win or in some cases weren't even nominated. That's what which really is basically what we've been talking about. It's not even that they don't win. It's they haven't been nominated. Yeah. In any of these roles that I have, there's no nominations, which is just a crime. At least give them the accolades of being nominated. Right. Exactly, which is absolutely insane. Christopher Any- Guest is Corky St. Clair. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that's honestly. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that, that that's our 
podcast. Again, if anything happens between today and Saturday when the podcast goes up, we apologize. But that, I think that's all we have. I don't apologize. Enjoy the Oscars. Uh, yeah. Why are you the worst?